Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Middle Falls Christian Center. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and for certainly who is to come. Oh, holy Father God. You've placed it on my heart. There are many people standing in desperation for breakthrough who are really at the brink of almost giving up. Tonight, Father, we pray that your Spirit will minister unto those. Touch those hearts that they may know the end is not yet. It is not over until you say that it's over. And the good work that you have started in each and every single one of us, you and you alone will bring it into completion. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Yes, let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, band. Thank you very much. You know, this song is one of those songs that you... When they, once they finished it, you want to ask them to do it all over again. And when they finish to do it all over again, it's like one of the songs you just can't seem to get tired of. And such powerful, powerful words. And God's anointing is so, so powerful too. It's wonderful to see you all in the house of God. You know, you could have been in any place tonight, but you're here. And God is going to bless you. Not because of me. Because God always bless us through His Word. And for those who are our family via the live stream, wherever you are, you are welcome. And we love you and we thank you that you are listening. And may you be blessed as well. In Matthew 28, verse 17, just before our Lord Jesus Christ gives the Great Commission, he now appears and he stands before the 11 disciples and there are other believers there as well. And just before he gives the great commission, it's, it is said this in verse 17. It says, and they saw him. Remember now, he was dead and resurrected and now they saw him. And it says, and they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubt it. It's a poison that kills the word doubt. In a survey that was done, found that 50% of the youth, Christians, 50% of youth, have got doubt concerning their faith. We're not talking about unbelievers, we're talking about believers. 27% of adults, more than a quarter of adults, Believers say that they still have doubt about their faith. And the single reason for that is, is because they have been hurt in the church because of previous religious experience. And the key denominator in all of this is this, because of the hypocrisy of Christians. That has caused many people to doubt and have doubt in their faith. It is shameful that as a Christian, all of us, that there are those who have caused people to doubt their faith. And it is the, one of the most used tools that Satan used to cause 
division between us and God. And right in the beginning of the word of God, he starts with that. In Genesis 3 verses 1, it says this. It is the first dialogue that takes place in the Bible. And he says this, speaking to Eve. Now, did God indeed say that you should not eat from all the trees in the garden? First of all, he lies and he misquotes. This is not what God said. Genesis 2, you read, God said, you shall only eat from one tree, not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But that was the suggestion that created the doubt in Eve. And right through the Bible, we see how doubt comes forth every single time. God calls Moses and says to him, after the burning bush experience, I am sending you to go and deliver my people from slavery and bondage in Egypt. I'm sending you. And he says, I can't do this. I'm not eloquent in speech. And I stutter. He speaks to Gideon and calls him. Mighty man of valor. And Gideon's reply, I am, my clan is the weakest of all the clans from the tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Peter, walking on water now, surely having faith, walking on water, starts doubting. And he almost drowns. Was it not for our Jesus who stretches out his hand to him? Thomas goes as far as to say, I do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Unless I can stick my finger into his wounds, I will not believe. Doubt, slow poison, and it will kill in the end. And God deals with all of this through his son. In the book of 1 John 3 verses 8, I'm just reading the last part of verse 8. It says this, For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. From the beginning he's been doing this. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what the Son of God did for all of us. To doubt means that you are placing your situation and circumstances greater than what God is able to do. That's what doubt is. It causes division between you and God. And God has got no place for doubt. There's no reason for us to doubt because it says here, for this reason, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil so that in this, we may be free from doubt, live in the way how God wants us to live. And then his anointing would come and live in us continuously and forever. So God's word says, and we'll get to that just now to prove that it's, that it, that it's true. God's anointing. God wants us to desire His anointing. God wants us to be excited about His anointing. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, every place from the upper room onwards, there was always excitement when God's anointing came down. Always. The people rejoiced. They danced. They cried. They wept. They fell on their faces. They sang. They prayed. They worshiped. It was visible, and they showed the effect of God's anointing that came upon them. 
The church has been very silent concerning this. We speak it, but we do not allow for it to manifest in God's house. And we must show it without reverence, without fear, without doubt, to show the excitement of God's anointing. Listen to what God's word says. And I want to take us, and here you can go to, the, to your Bibles in the book of Exodus, chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, we're going to read there from verse 22. Well, essentially, I'm going to refer to a few things from those verses, verse 22 to 33. I'm going to point out something because it's going to build up to, to this beautiful thing called anointing. Now, just to give you the background here, God now speaks to Moses and says to him, there are five types of spices that you must gather together now, and you're going to mix them all together, and you're going to make a very specific ointment. He says that in verse 22, 3, and 4. And then in verse 25 of Exodus 30, he says, And you shall make from these ingredients a holy anointing oil. A holy anointing oil. And at the end of that verse, it says there, And it shall be a holy anointing oil. And then verse 26 and 28, until 28, now God says, with this holy anointing oil, you are going to anoint certain things, which essentially is the whole tabernacle and everything in it, everything that was in it, the ark of the testimony, the table, and all its utensils, the lampstand, etc. And then he says also in verse 29, and you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. And then in verse 30, he says, apart from anointing all these um, furnishings and the tabernacle itself, you are also going to anoint Aaron and his sons who are priests because they have been consecrated and set aside for me. And now God says in verse 31, and you shall speak to the children of Israel and say, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me Throughout your generations. It's not a once-off that this was going to happen. Throughout all the generations, this anointing oil is different than any other anointing oil because it is holy based on those specific ingredients that God gave Moses. And then he says in verse 32, This anointing oil shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it. And verse 33, whoever compounds any like it, in other words, whoever else makes this same anointing oil, he says in the end, they shall be cut off from his people. In other words, they shall die. God clearly establishes a holy anointing mechanism, which is the oil, based on a certain formula and ingredients that he gives that makes every other thing that is anointed holy. And God stipulates only certain things that are to be made holy. You see, God makes it very clear here. You cannot copy this anointing oil. You cannot copy holiness. Because right from the beginning, in Exodus 20, from verse 2, the first commandment that, Lord, that God gives, He says this, I am the Lord your God, 
who has delivered you from Egypt out of the house of slavery. And you shall have no other gods before me. You cannot copy God because what separates God from all the other things that call themselves God is that our God has got a holiness and an anointing that cannot be copied. We have got the original. He is the original and nothing else will suffice. And if you are trying to copy God and if you are trying to worship other gods, you shall be cut off. You shall die. You shall die. And this world is dying because they are going at it and copying every single thing that they can possibly get except getting to the real God that there is. And the holy anointing oil was always pointing towards a holy anointed one that would come in the form of Christ Jesus. Let's give Him a praise offering because He paid a price. God has always wanted us to enjoy His anointing because through His anointing, He is in our midst. God came to live amongst the Israelites in the tabernacle. And before He could come and enter His presence, the place had to be made holy. And it was made holy by this holy anointing oil because God always wanted to live amongst His people. But the people sinned and they rejected Him. And then God sent His Son. God now comes and He lives amongst His people in the form of a person. But John 1.11 says this, He came unto His own and they knew Him not. They rejected even His Son. But God is tenacious and He will not give up. He's never going to give up on you. And He will continue to do so. And He did so. And He sent His Holy Spirit. And He said, I will send my presence to not only live amongst the people, but now I will live in you. I'm going to be in you. And if you are saved, you will never get rid of me. That's plainly what the Word of God says, and I'll prove it to you in a scripture that I'll read to you now. But God has come not to live amongst these people anymore. He now lives in you. He has made His presence and His anointing in you. And if you are a son of God, you must know, or a daughter of God, or a child of God, you must know this. God is permanently in you. His Word says it, and I read for you. And this is the foundation text for this evening. 1 John 2 verse 27. 1 John 2 verse 27. And it says this. But the anointing which you have received from Him, from God, it says, it abides in you. In other words, it remains. It doesn't depart from you. You, as a person being saved, cannot get rid of God, even if you try. It is only when we turn our backs to God that the anointing will depart. But because you are saved, you must know from this day onwards, forever the anointing is in you. And let's read on. You do not need that anyone teach you. What it means there, apart from the Word of God, no one can teach you anything because the Holy Spirit will teach you concerning the Word of God. And then it says, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, not some things, but all things. That means because you have got God's Holy Spirit in you, you from here on in will know all things. That's what it does for us. 
You know all things. That's why you are able to discern. That is why He convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. Because we know the right as well as the wrong. And the very next part in that verse says this. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will now abide in Him. So now the anointing comes, it lives in you permanently, but now you live in it permanently as well. It is a double blessing, so to speak. The word anoint here, it's got a similar meaning as the one that we just read in Hebrew with concerning that a holy anointing oil. It means to be smeared or to be rubbed and to be consecrated. God says through the anointing, God is smearing and rubbing His nature upon you. That is what God does. When He enters you now through His Holy Spirit, that anointing remains and God's nature is stuck on you. You cannot help then as a Christian to know what's right and wrong. And this is why we go and repent because we know when we upset our Father because of sin. That is what God has placed in us. This anointing is staying it's going nowhere. God has made it personal. He's not going to leave you. God says, you will never be alone again. No matter what the enemy comes and throws at you, you will never be alone because he and his anointing is in you permanently, forever. And if you still doubt me, let me confirm this for you. In God's Word, it says in 1 John 14, verse 17, well, I'll read 16, 17, and 18, just, just certain portions. Verse 16 says this, And the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, will come, and He will be with you forever. Verse 17, But you know Him, the Spirit of truth, because He remains with you continually, Will he be in you? And verse 18, the Lord Jesus says when he was going, I will not leave you as orphans. You are never going to be alone again. And you never have to worry or doubt or fear. Because God says, I am sticking with you. I am clinging with you. I have given you my spirit. And you are going to live forever. No matter what the world throws at you. That is never going to change. Because God makes it personal. And He says, I am a living personal presence in you. And I've paid a price to be there. I, the Father, says, I have sent my Son. That's the price that I paid. I, the Son, says, I have paid with my life to be in you. The Holy Spirit says, I've come from heaven to stay in you. I am permanently there. And I am the promise of which the Father had spoken about. And I am staying put. I'm going nowhere. You have Him for always. There's nothing you need to worry or to fear in this life. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. And now God comes and He just absolutely puts the cherry on the top. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, in 2 Corinthians 1 21, God says this, Now, because the Holy Spirit is in you, and just to make sure that you think He's going to leave, I'm sealing you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's sealed. It's done. It is sealed. He's there with you for always. 
and he's never going to move and you have him with you in every situation and circumstance, you are sealed. You know that, what that word sealed means? It says, and Pastor George, you're going to love this, you are branded. You are branded and you are marked as a possession. You are God's possession and it's like a cattle. He has branded you. So wherever you walk on this earth, you will be seen because you are branded and you are marked because you are God's special possession. Yes. How wonderful our God is. Considering this then, knowing who is in you, that He lives there forever, and that you are not alone. Is it then an impossible thing for dead bones to rise again? Is it then impossible for cancer to be removed? Is it impossible then for the womb to carry forth and be fruitful and have children? Is it impossible for that which is in you to change that which is in the natural because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world? That is who our God is. That is what we have and it is there forever. It is no wonder creation stares at us and they are mesmerized. I'm talking about all creation, everything out there, from all the things, including Satan and all the fallen angels, because they look at us with envy, some of them, and others look at us with mesmerized, uh, being mesmerized, me totally mesmerized. You know why? You know why? Because we are the only creation that have been made in the image and in the likeness of God. And when they see us, they see God. That is why Satan hates us. And this is a revelation that came during this course that Pastor Harold presented when he did the fallen nature of man. And I sat there and God just broke this open for me. And I want to explain to you, hopefully that you understand, this is not my revelation, but things just made so much sense for me because I realize now what a threat I am to Satan, how much he hates you and I, because every time he sees us, he sees God. He knows because he was in his presence. He knows his image and his likeness, and we represent that. Not even the angels in heaven does that. Only we do that. And now you can understand that ever since creation, Satan wanted to destroy and kill mankind. No wonder he sent the fallen angels to go into the woman, because then the giants were born and they did not resemble the image and the likeness of God. He wanted to destroy the seed of God. God brought the flood to stop that. And nowadays Satan is still busy. You know how he does that? Through abortions. Because every single time a child is born, they are convicted because they are condemned because they see in us what they know, God. They see God. They see the reflection of God when they look at you and I. And Satan tries everything for us not to know that and not to see that because we are the threat to Him. They know what their future looks like. It is written in this book, but they also know what our future looks like because it's also written in this book. That's why they hate us and that's why it's trying to kill. But God said, I am now living in you. I am with you until the end of the days and nothing is going to happen to you because I've got your back. I've got your back, God says. All the world envies us too. Those who are in the world, you know why? We have what they don't have and they don't even realize what it is. We have got God's anointing in us and is there permanently. 
And because he's there permanently, now he's given us power. They have none of that. And you often hear Christians talk about this. You know what? My life is pretty okay. It's not bad. But there's like something missing. You know, business is not too bad. Family's doing well. All is well. But there's just that something. I can't put my finger on it. I can tell you why I can't put your finger on it. Because once the anointing is in you, we are, we are supposed to respond to the anointing. God has placed himself in us. His holiness is in us because he has set us aside for a specific purpose. Whether you like it or not, we are never going to get away from this. Because God's anointing is in us, he wants to use us to show the world what we have, that they can have it as well. And he wants to use you for that. You just have to pitch up because he's got your back. And you're not alone. You don't have to worry about what you need to say. Because he that is in you, God's anointing, the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak on your behalf. God will never put you in a place where he's going to embarrass you for his kingdom's sake. Never. Never will he do that. You don't have to be shy or worry about it. God will put the words in your mouth. All you need to do, just pitch up. Just pitch up and trust God. And this power that he's given, listen to what it says here. Luke 24 Verse 49, behold, I sent, my, I sent the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. This word endued means that you are clothed, you are robed with a garment. And what garment is? It's a very specific garment, a garment of dunamis, a garment of explosiveness, dynamite, in order to bring forth miracles. That is what you are clothed with. Because He is in you, you are standing there and you are an explosion waiting to happen. You are the bomb. Tell the person next to you, you are the bomb. You are the bomb. The Holy Spirit is the detonator and He wants us to be explosive out there right in the face of adversity. Every temptation that comes our way, what Satan has stolen, we take back because I am the bomb. I have explosive power in it and I am the garment that I'm wearing in that. And the enemy is afraid of me because of who I am, because of He who is in me, God's holy anointing. That is the power that is available to us. Hallelujah, what power it is. What power it is, but we miss it because we think it is not for us. A very well-known portion of Scripture, many of us read and we read over it, Luke 4, verses 18. Jesus said these words before he started with his ministry, after now being baptized in the Holy Spirit, coming out of the desert, saying, now being in the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. And then he lists the things that, was, that, he's, that he was going to do. And we think, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did that. God says, no, you're also going to do that. Because Jesus said, the same things that I did, you are going to do. But we read it with our own eyes because we read there and it says there, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel. Hmm, who's going to do that? No, no, okay, we've got preachers. They've got to do that. That's fine. They're going to do that. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted. These people seem messed up, the brokenhearted. They need some counseling. Oh no, the pastors will do that. They can do the counseling, you know. To proclaim liberty to the captives. 
Sure, there are people who are really struggling. They're in bondage. Who's going to pray for them? Thank the Lord. We've got prayer warriors in this church. They're going to do that. The prayer intercessors, they're going to pray that. They're going to do that. Recovery of sight to the blind. Yo, that's a tough one. Because that's spiritually and that's physically. Who's going to do that? Oh, we've got someone. Let Pastor Harold do that. Because we see how the Spirit of God moves upon him. And let him do that. I'm not going to do that. And then we read on and we say, And set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay, if you're oppressed, get out of that, man. Let's start dancing. Oh, that's what the band will do. They will come and they will sing music and we praise and we worship and you will lift and you'll be joyful. Whew, I'm done. There's the list who's going to do that. But not me. Not me. And we all miss verse 19. It says there, And he also came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm sorry to say to you, if you've got God's Holy Spirit in you, He's going to use you to speak Jesus. That's what it means. He's going to use you to speak Jesus. And all the other things in that verse is for you to go and do that. God has made that available to us. I remember one cell night a couple of years ago, I would always go out and stand on the outside to welcome the people in the event that they would come visitors. It's always nice because remember, we must understand this. Visitors come to your house. They don't know you. You're a stranger. Your house, they don't know you. Your house is a strange place. So I always like to, to meet them outside. And we were waiting for two more gentlemen to arrive. And at last they arrived. And I see a third car comes. And out of this car pops five gentlemen. But I see two of them are smoking and they're just killing the cigarette quickly, getting out of that car. And I think, what do we have here? Because, no, we were a holy cell, you know. Everybody was saved. <laughs> and so they walk closer to me. And I smell the alcohol from a distance, and now I get nervous, because I've never had this in my home cell. And these two gentlemen that came and said, they said to me, well, these are our friends. We just went to the bar to go and collect them and bring them to cell. And I thought, what have you done? What have you done? So I greet, and I'm, I'm, I'm friendly on the outside. And as we walk in, I'm as nervous as you can get. And I said, Lord, you need to help, because I don't know what to do. I know I had a message prepared in the cell, because we had the cell notes. And as we started praising and worshiping, the Lord said, don't stop. Keep on going. And we praise and we worship. And the Lord said, now, let me move. Let me move. And I said, oh, my gosh, Lord, you're going to move. But these people are semi-drunk. And they smell, they smell like a, a, a cigarette bar. And I hate cigarettes, you know. But bottom line is, we let the Spirit move. At the end of the night, God ministered to all of them. And I remember, as I came to each and every single one of them to pray, their eyes went like this, because they've never had something praying for them. And I heard the other people in the self keep praying in the Spirit, and the music was playing, and we would keep on ministering. And at the end of the night, when we finished, now we were drinking coffee and, and cold drinks, and we had the eats. One of those gentlemen came to me, and he said to me, can I talk to you privately? And I said, no, sure. He says to me, I just want to say, I want to ask you, have you, have you got that same gift that my grandmother has? So, so I say to him, well, what gift does your grandmother have? And, and I have to say this in Afrikaans because I don't know how to explain this in English. I'll, I'll explain to you what it means. But in Afrikaans, we were, we, we were raised with this certain phrase, you know, in English, it means that you've got the ability to see omens and wickedness and to look into the realm of evil. Obviously, it's nonsense. So he asked me, have you got that same gift than my grandmother? I said to him, you and, my, you and your grandmother, we are not the same. 
We don't have the same gift, sorry. He says, no, but you know these things because you prayed and nobody knows these things. How do you know this? I said to him, let me explain to you what the Holy Spirit is. Let me explain to you what the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is. And his eyes were like this. And he said, I didn't know. He said, now I know only God can do this. This is the power of God moving in the, in, even in a home cell. This is the power of God when he moves. When I become the bomb and you become the bomb and that explosiveness goes and he totally annihilates the work of the devil. One night we were closing off in cell and we were standing in a circle and the Lord said, everyone is going to pray for the person right next to them. But you're not gonna ask them, you're just gonna be praying as the Spirit leads. And so we do, we're about a circle of 14, 15 people. And as we finished over the last one, one of the ladies put up her hands and she's in tears and she says, I know now that God is real because firstly, I have never prayed for anyone in my life. I do not know how to pray. I was too ashamed to say this in the cell. I've never prayed for someone. But secondly, the person standing next to me who prayed over me could not know this because I had never told anyone about the situation. She prayed as the Spirit led because the power of that anointing that was in that woman prayed the exact prayers that was needed for that woman to pray. That is the power when God's Spirit moves. The anointing that is in you will move. That is why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why David could say, with my God, I can scale any wall. That is why Elijah could say to the 400 Baal prophets, you come, ask your God, maybe he's asleep, but let him come down with his fire. I will wait because he had the anointing in him. This is why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 29, or sorry, 28 can say this. We receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is what we have. And listen to what God says in verse 29. Somebody go for me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Just go to chapter 12, verse 29, because this is what God says. In 28, he says, we have a kingdom. We've received this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Who's got verse 29 there? Who's got verse 29? What does it say there? Our God is a consuming fire. Picture this, the fire of God, you being the bomb, having the explosiveness, you put it together, who can stand in your way? The enemy will flee, he will bow down because all the power is in me and our God will devour him because our God is a consuming fire. That is what he does. We want revival, don't we? We talk about revival. We say these words. And often there comes these catchy phrases. It is time for revival. It's time for a move of God. No, the move of God has already started. You are proof and you are sitting here. We're talking about revival. Revival is something that happens when people gather together like in this. Not when you're sitting in your home. Not when you are alone. Everywhere in the, in the, in the Bible, you could see where the Spirit of God moved heavily is when people were all together not being by yourself. All the revivals of the past were a great convocation and a gathering of people. I want to close off with this. You want to know what revival looks like? Can you put up the first slide for me if you don't mind? This is in Nigeria. Almost a million people gathering together. Next one for me, please. This is in Europe where they gather together for Pentecost. Next slide for me, please. 
Reinhard Bonke, the late Reinhard Bonke, when he does a miracle crusade and a million people come, that's what revival looks like. The last one for me, please. This is what it looked like in South Africa in Bloemfontein when a million people got together and all people from all nations and creed and every tribe and every tongue, every color, every gender, we all got together and I was there. And that day, the anointing of God was tangible. You heard and you saw the miracles. It is what happens when people get together and they want the presence and the manifestation of God. Signs and wonders and miracle happens when you are set free and detonating that bomb which is in you, which is that explosive power that brings the signs and the wonders and the miracles. That is revival for us. If you want that, how serious are you in wanting to get that? How serious are you? Amen. I want you to ask, please bow your heads and close your eyes. Was this one specific question or two perhaps that I want to ask tonight? You know, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, here is your proof. You know that His Spirit is in you. If you have not received that Spirit, if you doubt that the anointing of God, that the Holy Spirit is in you, if you are that person tonight, we want to help you, and I want to pray for you, and I want to ask that you please raise your hand. If you've got any uncertainty or doubt that the Holy Spirit, God's anointing, is in you, then this is for you to raise your hand. Thank you. Keep the hands up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, the proof is that Jesus Christ lives in you, and when He lives in you, now eternal life is yours. If you have got doubt that you have eternal life, you need to raise your hands tonight because you cannot leave being uncertain or unsure. That man that was hanging on the cross next to Jesus had doubt, and then he asked the Lord, please take me with you in paradise today. If you are not sure that you are going to God's paradise today, you must raise your hand because we want to pray for you. Please keep your hands up. Don't be shy. Everybody else is closing their eyes. This is your moment. This is your moment. Can I ask those who raise their hands, please just stand for me because you are that precious. Please do so. Please stand for me. You are not alone. Don't worry. You are not the only one. And the, yes, please stand for me. Can you all please come to the front for me? We want to spend time with you because you are that important. Let's give God a praise offering. Yes. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Please come. Please come. Because from this night onwards, you are receiving eternal life. That's the promise of God. God's Spirit is in you. That is the promise when Jesus Christ becomes Lord of your life because you are not able to confess Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Look at this. God is adding to His kingdom. This is what He's doing tonight. God is adding to His kingdom. And the Word of God says, young ladies, young men, listen to me. God's Word says this, that in the heavens they rejoice. They rejoice because of what you've just done. You are keeping the angels busy tonight in the heavens because they rejoice. 
It is explained in this way. Whatever the angels are assigned to do in the heavens for what happens tonight, they cease because they all rejoice for what is happening right here. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I want to say to you from this night onwards, you must never doubt again. Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm going to lead you in a particular prayer as your means of a confession prayer. And you will know through this that you are never alone. Listen to what it says. You are not alone. The title of my message was firstly, the, the anointing that abides. And then God says, no, tell them, tell them they are not alone. You are not alone. And the Spirit of God is now in you. Allow Him to move in your life. Allow Him. Let's close our eyes. And all of us just raise our hands to them. And everybody just repeat this after me. The punishment of my peace was upon Jesus Christ. And by His stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord, for writing my name in your Lamb's book of life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Father, that I am not alone. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering. Amen. Amen. I look at you and I say to you, the future of South Africa is bright because you are the ones who are the history makers. You are the ones who are going to bring the changes out there. Tonight is the first night of the rest of your life. Please turn to your left hand side. Behind you, you've got someone who's going to rejoice in this with you. They just want to spend some quick time with you. Just follow them. And there's a tall pastor standing there. If you can just follow, follow the queue and that pastor there for us, please. Thank you very much. Yes. Lee Kinnear, Kinnear or Kinnear? Lee, are you here in the church? Lee? Lee Kinnear. Okay. Maybe I pronounced the surname correctly. K-I-N-N-E-R. Kilo Indigo November November Echo Alfa Romeo. All right. Okay. You're definitely not here. All right. Let's pray over this. Lee is going into hospital tomorrow for a tumor on the brain and on her, her vocal cords. So we're going to pray for Lee. All right, let's raise our hands to this God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we lift up this prayer request before you. Lord, we are believers. We have got your anointing in us which was established through Jesus Christ. Lifting up Lee before you right now. She has asked for prayer. We reciprocate by bringing this request before your throne of grace. And we pray, Father, by the name of Jesus Christ, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Your word says that the punishment of her peace was upon you, Jesus, that you have taken all sickness and disease to the cross. You nailed it there and you are victorious over it. Your word says in Jeremiah 33 verses 6, it says there, and I will bring you health and healing and you will be healed. It says here in the scripture, it says here, and I will reveal to you the abundance and the peace of my truth. You say, Father God, that by the name of Jesus Christ, 
by the name of Jesus Christ alone, there is healing. And we pray now for Lee, Father, in that operation, that you will bless those who work upon her, from the surgeon, from the supporting medical staff. Lord, the moment that she goes in, that they will see the light in her, that you will remove this spirit of sickness and infirmity and disease from her body. We strike it and we break its power in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree with me, we all say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Marie, I know you guys got a song for us. I'm just going to let you play what the Holy Spirit has led you to play. And let's see where it goes. Thank you. Stand with us. Let's sing. Holy Spirit. Sweetest time. 
before we close off, I need to ask this. Is there anyone of you here that is struggling with any form of sickness? I want you to raise your hand for us, please. Any sickness, please keep your hands up for us. Wherever you are, any form of discomfort, sickness, illness, disease, right, keep your hands up for us. Remain, look around you. I want at least four or five people to go to those people and pray, pray for them. Just one minute of prayer. Go to these people, please. Because the rest of you, one person in that group, you pray for that person. The others, you just pray a prayer of agreement and you pray in the Spirit. The rest of us, we are praying in the Spirit to, as a means of support. So let's go. Just one minute. Let no person whose hand is raised be alone. Let us pray in the Spirit. Those of you who are not praying for that particular person, just where you are, pray in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit breaks yokes and bondages and change. That's what the anointing does. Amen. Amen. Let us all raise our hands to the heavens because this is where our God lives. The one who cannot be copied, the one who's anointing, you cannot copy because He is the real deal. He's holy, He's pure, He is righteous, and He's perfect. And guess what? Because His Spirit dwells in you, He makes you exactly like that. We are holy and pure and righteous and perfect because of the finished work of Christ. Heavenly Father, may your anointing abide in us continuously. May we always know that from here on in, we are never alone. And whoever that man and that woman is, who are going through hardship and difficulty. In the beginning of the service, you just remind me now, you said that there were those who are really desperate for a breakthrough. And you are now reminding those people, I know exactly about your situation. Don't doubt, don't fear. I am with you until the end of the day, says the Lord. Always I am with you. My spirit dwells in you. My anointing is in you. There is nothing that is impossible for me, says God Almighty. Oh, Holy Father God, now we pray that as your anointing comes upon us, as it is here for sure, that it breaks every yoke and every bondage, every hindrance, every lie of the enemy. Father God, we receive this by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you will open up your windows of heavens and pour out that breakthrough, those open doors, those open windows. It takes one open door to open all the rest to come. We pray, Father God, open just that one door for your people. One door, one opportunity. Open it up 
in Jesus' name. We beg you, we ask it of you in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit will be with us now and forevermore. The Lord God bless you and keep you. The Lord God make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord God lift up His countenance over you that you will have His eternal peace. In the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, we pray this and we all say, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.